What does cloudy urine indicate? Is it the body wasting calcium or a yeast infection? Um, well, An the, emailer wants to know. If, if you're um, drinking lots of milk, for example, or a high meat diet, the, the phosphate has to get excreted. And the phosphate uh, shows up in the urine and precipitates in the presence of either magnesium or calcium. And it only precipitates if the pH is above a certain point. And so if you uh, have a very high-protein diet, most of the time your urine will be acidic and it will be clear despite having a tremendous amount of phosphate in it. But uh, when something raises the pH of your urine, which can be eating a lot of fruit or vegetables, or uh, hyperventilating is another thing. If you blow out too much carbon dioxide, the pH of your urine goes up hmm. to uh, keep your blood at, at the right pH, slightly alkaline. And when your urine pH is above, uh, is neutral or, or higher uh, on the alkaline side, then any phosphate and uh, calcium is going to precipitate and make it cloudy. I'll be done. Here's an email from Brenda. I recently started taking Progest E, and it's helped my cyclical mood symptoms very much. I've been taking it for days uh, 14, 28 in my cycle. I hate to stop taking it because I have PMS moodiness the day after I stop. Would there be any harm in just continuing to take it nonstop for a while, even if it means I miss a period or two? I've known uh, quite a few women who uh, took it some every day and uh, kept cycling without any problem. Uh But uh, what they should be aware of is that if you take a, a, a little extra just before the expected time of ovulation, it will trigger trigger early ovulation. And uh, then if you uh, stop taking it or take less, it, it will bring on an early menstruation. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take it every day, it has to be uh, every day the same amount. Hmm. What about someone perimenopausal that every now and then in the, in the cycle just takes a long, the period just doesn't want to come, you get the bloaty thing, but eh, it doesn't want to come. Is there any safe herbs or anything you can do to just kind of, you know, let her go so you can feel better and let her have your period? And um, Well, behind the, um, the the problem with the balance of progesterone and estrogen, the, the basic thing is almost always low thyroid. Oh. And uh, some women will use a quick-acting thyroid so that as soon as they start getting a a symptom of PMS, they take just a little extra quick-acting stuff, and uh, uh, they can uh, uh, adjust the hormones on a, a day-to-day basis that way. Mm-hmm. Other people increase just knowing that they don't want to have PMS. They'll take a little more of their glandular thyroid starting at ovulation. And uh, the um, opposite happens when a person is hypothyroid, uh, they might not have any ovulation at all, or they might have extreme and prolonged menstruation. And uh, it's a, a very reliable uh, treatment for um, uh, prolonged menstruation to uh, just get the right amount of thyroid. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you can mm-hmm. usually turn off uh, a hypothyroid uh, excess menstruation in two days with a supplement. But a quick-acting thyroid, that's generally a, a prescription? Um, yeah, usually in the U.S. it's a, mm-hmm. a T3 such as Cytomel is a prescription. Cytomel. Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? Uh, C-Y-T-O-M-E-L. M-E-L. And that's just a... a pig or cow or something thyroid, uh, isn't no, it? No, it's a, a purely synthetic, uh, but it's exactly the same chemical that we make or would get from an animal. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, Mark wants to know, why is burning sugar for fuel healthier for the human body than burning ketones? Also, if a diabetic wants to use fructose medicinally, how can fructose be used by the cells if the cells need glucose? And does the body convert fructose to glucose or something? Uh, yeah, the body uh, can uh, exchange them. Uh, the the uh, fructose enters the uh, uh, glycolysis process uh, almost the same place glucose does and then is oxidized the same way glucose is. And a lot of doctors are saying that the brain uh, and uh, muscles and, and heart and such can't use fructose. But actually, there is evidence that they do have the uh, the particular so-called fructose transporter or glucose transporter that that works for fructose. So the the brain and heart can use fructose, um, and ketones are are good if you get them from fruit or vegetables such as potatoes. But if you have to produce uh, the ketones, they are only produced under stress in the body. And so uh, they're, they're good when you can get them, but you, it's hard to make them yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, why does the Budwig diet against cancer have so much success when it uses omega-3 flaxseed oil when Ray's work has concluded that unsaturated fatty acids are not good for us? Ask John. Um, in 1954, a professor from the University of Guadalajara uh, had an article in Prevention magazine uh, describing his success using uh, a purge for his laxative patients to get their intestine clean because uh, that's something that's been known for probably 3,000 years that uh, laxatives are helpful for cancer patients because of the toxins produced in the intestine. And uh, he happened to use a cup of uh, linseed oil or flax oil uh, as the purge. It would rush right through and and clean out the intestine. But um, until that time, uh, Johanna Budwig had published as co-author a couple of uh, articles in a, a soap and fat journal and uh, wasn't doing anything at all unconventional. But right after that article came out in Prevention magazine, uh, she started developing her theory of the N-3 fats. Uh, my, my theory was that she uh, had gone insane during that period when she stopped being a, a research associate for the the soap professor, hmm. um, and uh, shortly after that, uh, several little book booklets 
came out, published by a, a Disney subsidiary in Europe, um, describing her theory in, in very crazy terms. Anyone who's who's interested in in doing her program should to get a look at at those books because uh, they were radically changed when they were presented in English to make it sound much saner than than they were. But uh, her her diet consisted of uh, mostly cottage cheese or the equivalent mm-hmm. curds, mm-hmm. and uh, because of the, the the low iron content of cottage cheese. Uh, both milk and cottage cheese are very good protective foods uh, for people with cancer. Uh, fruits and milk, uh, because of the low iron content and low low uh, PUFA content, are are good for cancer patients. But uh, I think the uh, as far as the flax oil can work as a laxative, it's beneficial. Uh, but when when it's working as a food, uh, then it it has the risk of suppressing your metabolism. Hmm. We're talking with Dr. Ray Pete. He's a PhD biology, and uh, uh, it is about fifteen after the hour. This is o Patrick Timpone. Happy New Year to you. Special show pre-recorded. We'll be back live. I think on whatever the fourth uh, next Monday. I appreciate you being here. We'll keep Dr. Pete on as long as you doesn't kick us out and try to get rid of uh, through these emails. We have a lot of them. Uh, from John, raise opinions on Hans Nieper's mineral transporters. Why does nobody talk about them anymore? Um, well, for one thing, uh, we don't really need mineral transporters. Uh, uh, people like Gilbert Ling many years ago showed that uh, the the doctrine that the uh, cell is enclosed in an impermeable or semi-permeable membrane uh, simply isn't so. Um, when when they got uh, isotopes that they could uh, actually see the, the uh, type of sodium atom that was uh, being added to a system, they could demonstrate that the sodium atoms were freely moving in and out of cells no barrier function at all at the surface. And uh, this applies to uh, all of the uh, dissolved uh, minerals and other substances. Uh, there's just no barrier there to uh, deal with. Uh, so that's the, the basic thing. We don't have any need for a mineral transporter because minerals move freely in and out. Okay. Jesse writes, I love the show. I don't know if Ray Pete knows anything about the organic sulfur you've been talking about the last few months. I've been taking the sulfur and iodine together, Lugols. Well, we don't recommend you take the sulfur with anything, but anyway, my thyroid hormones have gone down. I need to know if the sulfur will take iodine out too. Should they be taken opposite ends of the day? Do you need to take extra Lugols if you're taking sulfur? I'm taking a couple tablespoons per day. Okay. Uh, Too much iodine is probably the problem. Too uh, much iodine that can actually lower the thyroid? Uh, yeah. Huh. How do you know what's a good amount of iodine? Well, the, I've got a, a list of, um, I think it's 70 articles that wow. uh, from around the world uh, looking at the uh, incidence of thyroid cancer and uh, thyroiditis. And they see that 
uh, above half a milligram of iodine per day chronically uh, increases the uh, incidence of, of thyroid disease. Well, that's not good. 0.5 milligrams. Wow, that's not a lot, is it? Uh, no, but that's over a period of many years where okay. it's chronically high. Oh, okay. In other words, people are taking, you'd have to do it over many years to, to have, an, have an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many drops of Lugol's, do you have any idea, like you do one drop, how many milligrams that is? Or I think it's a, a, a few milligrams. Is it? So you wouldn't want to do more than just a couple. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Um, I'm a follower of Mr. Pete's. I haven't seen him anything mentioned about uterine fibroids. What is his suggestion is the best way to get rid of them? Serapeptase and other enzymes have not worked for me. Um, I think uh, normalizing thyroid is the best thing. Uh, the, uh, I had an experience with with a woman who was, I think she was 40 at the time, and uh, hadn't had any kids and wanted to get pregnant and uh, had a, a fibroid plugging the end of her uterus by the fallopian tubes about the size of a tennis ball. And I explained the physiology to her and uh, got her confident that she knew what was happening. And uh, she adjusted taking enough thyroid that she could keep her estrogen level down with the um, other hormones up. And it happened that her pulse averaged about 110 per minute. And her doctor told her uh, she would die from keeping her pulse that fast. But she had an ultrasound uh, every month, and every month that she kept her thyroid at that level, the fibroid shrank. And uh, I think it was uh, around March or April that she started. And by August, the fibroid had disappeared and she was pregnant. Is a slower pulse necessarily better? Um, no, generally it's not. Uh, what could be? Well, now we've already been told it is. Like uh, I've been exercising a lot, and and uh, um, my pulse gets pretty pretty low. Just my resting pulse, sometimes fifty or so, because I do the rebounder. Um, so that could actually be a sign of some kind of weakness. Um, yeah, very often it's hypothyroid, uh, long distance runners. Oh, you uh, mean low thyroid? Uh, yeah. Um, if you um, put a person on a, a treadmill, mm-hmm. and, and in one experiment they had them uh, walk so their pulse stayed about 120 beats per minute. Yeah. And in less than an hour, their blood showed almost no T3, the active hormone. And if a person is healthy, as soon as they catch their breath and and rest for a day, their T3 is right back where it should be. But uh, if there's anything wrong with their diet, just that moderate amount of exercise every day can push your thyroid lower and lower. And one of the ways that you might see a, a bad effect of a low pulse is if the distance between the top and the bottom blood pressure is very great. It should be no more than 50 points difference. And blood pressure difference, okay. Yeah, it's called pulse pressure. Okay. Uh, so the 
the systolic minus the diastolic okay. could be uh, 50 or less. But if it's less than 50, a low pulse is... Um, well, uh, sometimes it, it goes with a, a big surge of pressure, like from uh, a blood pressure diastolic of 60 to 120. That's a 60-point spread, which is more than desirable. Okay, so that, that would indicate perhaps a low thyroid. Yeah. Uh, and you'd want to get that checked out and maybe get that thyroid boosted up. So so um, people that exercise a lot, um, it's not necessarily that their heart... But isn't your heart stronger if it's you're beating less per minute? Um, not necessarily. No? Uh, uh, you can give a person an antithyroid drug and their heart rate will just go slower and slower. No kidding. Low antithyroid, in other words, lower the lower the uh, efficiency of the thyroid, and your pulse slows down. Yeah, I've I've known people who had a, a forty or fifty uh, uh, pulse at, at rest, and who were really very miserable. And when they got their pulse up to seventy or eighty at rest uh, by taking thyroid. They felt much better. Huh, huh. But that's something you don't want to do on your own necessarily. It'd be better to get somebody that really knows their stuff, huh? Um, thyroid? Yeah. Uh, you can uh, often do that just by diet, uh, avoiding the foods that are blocking your thyroid function. Which are? Um, mostly in America, it's, it's mostly the polyunsaturated fats. But okay. uh, some people, I've known people who were eating a, a pure soy diet or, or a lot of raw cabbage and broccoli. Yeah. And um, those people just stopping the diet uh, for a week or two <laughs> popped right back. Huh. So, that, huh. uh, so the poof is in the soy. They're definitely anti-thyroid. But hmm, what about broccoli, cauliflower, uh, the, the crucifer, crucif- how do you say that? Cruciferous. Uh, but if you cook them, are they okay? Uh, they're still slightly anti-thyroid, but slightly. most people don't have any problem. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, if a person wants to really uh, test what low thyroid is like, they can uh, juice some cabbage or broccoli raw and drink a glass or two of that per day. And, and you can feel it. Yeah. What are some things that boost the thyroid um, function? The, the um, milk and orange juice. I'll be done. <laughs> You know, I love orange juice, and I just kind of stayed away. I just got, I bought into, Doc, that whole too much sugar idea. I don't know where I got that, but, man, I'll try some of that and juice some oranges. And it, and it actually boosts thyroid function. Yeah. That'll be done. That's great. Um, boy, so much thyroid stuff, as you know. Here's another one, Ann from Michigan. Can you talk a bit about Hashimoto's? Is that overactive or, or, or autoimmune Thyroid, right? Hashimoto's? It's underactive. Oh, underactive, but it's an autoimmune issue? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so-called. No. But, so-called. Uh, the, the, um, most of the autoimmune things, uh, the antibodies really uh, are part of a recovery process. Okay. Uh, anytime you injure a tissue, uh, your immune system will uh, try to eat up the junk, and uh, it treats the, the tissue as if it had been infected. Oh. So that's why they started calling it So it's not, it's not the immune system attacking your thyroid. It's doing what it's supposed to do. 
Uh, yeah, if you um, huh. uh, block the thyroid function for some reason, then you have to stimulate it more strongly with thyroid-stimulating hormone. And just that stimulation creates a, a type of inflammation. And if that goes on too long, for example, blocking it with too much iodine or too much PUFA or estrogen, uh, then your immune system will come up in and clean up some of the junk. So we have people say that you really can't OD on iodine, but you're definitely saying the opposite here today. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Anne says, I'm 44 years old, and the day before my period, I start to get a headache. I'm assuming the headache is caused by low progesterone. Any suggestions on how to balance out the hormones? I have been doing paleo diet for over three years now. It has helped. I know that this is a broad question, but any suggestions would be appreciated. Well, uh, usually... Uh, some uh, good tropical fruit and or orange juice and milk or cheese uh, will uh, get the thyroid uh, back back to uh, normal functioning. But uh, in the short run, a thyroid supplement, uh, there have been studies where just giving even the synthetic thyroid for uh, five or six months will um, correct the antibody problem in the Hashimoto's. Uh-huh. And then what if somebody has kind of hard time with casein or lactose? Can that be corrected if you'd like, like to try some cheese and milk? Um, yeah, there's no lactose in cheese, so okay. if there's a, a lactose problem, cheese will take care of it. Like a raw cheese maybe, raw grass-fed if you can? Uh, yeah, preferably mm -hmm. uh, without additives. Sure. And then the casein in the milk? Oh, um, it, it's a, a good protein. Uh -huh. uh, it has many good features, but... Uh, 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 an even better protein is the uh, the juice out of a potato. Uh, in a few extreme cases where a person had no digestion for any kind of ordinary protein, if they juiced some raw potatoes and then cooked that juice, uh, they could instantly assimilate it uh, and uh, I'll be done. got over their, their uh, sensitivities to other proteins. Hasn't that been in the past or is some kind of a anti-cancer therapy in Europe where they juice potatoes? Did I, I read that somewhere? Or? I haven't heard of it. No. Yeah. It's an amazing food. <laughs> it's crazy. Please ask your guest about bioidentical hormone replacement. If in favor of it, which testing protocol would be best and when would should stop the treatment? Um, it, it just depends on what the person needs. Um uh, the, um, the that term can apply to um, testosterone, uh, progesterone, DHEA, thyroid, uh, any of those. But it is also applied to estrogen, and it happens that the most dangerous of the estrogens, estradiol, is bioidentical, so it, it doesn't make it safer. Uh, whether it's synthetic or natural estrogen, you still have to be very careful. Uh huh. Okay, here's another email. What does Mr. Pete think about the ketogenic diet, high fat, low carb, low protein? What does Ray think about bulletproof coffee, where you whip up coconut oil or butter into your coffee, similar to, to Tibetan tea? And what about refined bleached coconut oil expeller, expeller pressed? Ketogenic diet first. Okay. Um, 
Well, I already talked about that, that uh, it's a matter of stress. Uh, Anything that stresses you can uh, turn on your production of ketones. Okay. And so it's better to uh, have some sugar in your diet so you don't have the stress that makes the ketones. But if you can get ketones from uh, fruit and uh, potatoes, for example, they're fine. Okay. Bulletproof coffee, you ever hear about that? We put up coconut oil or butter into your coffee? Uh, a lot of people tell me they're doing that, but uh, cream in the coffee is so good. Yeah. And, and it mixes nicely where the, um, the coconut oil and butter just float on the surface. So, yeah. Um, I, cream I've, probably does the same thing. What about uh, refined bleach coconut oil or expeller pressed? Any issues that, there? That's the only thing. I've used uh-huh. um, because uh, I used to occasionally get some homemade uh, coconut oil that was just delicious for making ice cream, uh, coconut ice cream uh, it, it, with fresh coconut. It's just a fantastic taste, but uh, it happens to be allergenic if you have uh, uh, any stress problems um, or digestive problems, it's better to use the uh, refined, deodorized coconut oil. Uh Brian in Illinois has a question for uh, Dr. Ray Pete. I would like to know what to do to overcome radiation therapy. I was not foolish enough to receive radiation. I was foolish enough, excuse me, for prostate. I did not finish the total number of treatments, but following the treatments, I'm still having radiation issues. I no longer have cancer, which I, I think is probably the result of holistic. So how can he kind of heal from radiation kind of damage? Um, uh, there have been studies of people uh, uh, 60 years, I think it was, after Hiroshima hmm. and 20 years after Chernobyl, in which they could still see inflammatory processes in the blood uh, that could be traced to the radiation exposure. Wow. And so it, it's really a lingering inflammation that uh, you have to deal with. Uh, the um, with, with that kind of radiation, that nothing is actually placed in the body, like with fallout. Uh, the stuff we're getting from Fukushima now is actual isotopes which stick in the body. Uh, those are a, a different kind of problem, but the lingering effect of external radiation uh, puts you into an inflammatory state and uh, uh, all of the, uh, the the things we've been talking about uh, the good uh, high energy foods uh, milk cheese, help to heal that yeah uh, keeping your thyroid function up activates the repair system at, which um, lowers inflammation and um, anytime your energy falls you move towards inflammation uh, and uh, so don't hyperventilate do everything to keep your blood sugar steady and uh, the inflammation will will gradually subside the uh, anti-inflammatory uh, hormones uh, are all protective in in their situation but basically diet and thyroid are mm-hmm. Uh, William is a naturopathic doc, and he wants to know, Dr. Pete, what do you think about uh, Dr. Uh, our, uh, not Dr., but Brian Peskin's um, claims that omega-3s are unnecessary. The fish oils and these parent essential oils that we mentioned earlier 
are uh, the best way to go to supplement rather than fish oil. Um, well, he's right about the fish oil. There's no evidence that it's an essential yeah. fat. But um, also, there's a, no evidence that I've seen. <laughs> that the PEOs do it either, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the best way, writes Catherine, about uh, testing for food allergies uh, regarding the heart rate? Uh, my heart rate's about 85 sitting down, standing up about 110. I was told I had POTS, postural orthostatic tricardia. My blood pressure is good, but a bit on the low side, and I'm including Celtic sea salt in my diet. So first off, uh, yeah, best way to... Have you come up with some good ways to test for these food allergies that we may have? Um, the uh, blood tests are often misinterpreted. Um, you can see a reaction in the blood, but sometimes it's just showing that the person tolerates, has been exposed to a food, doesn't really correlate with the symptoms of allergy. So mm. I think uh, testing a food, uh, leaving it out of your diet entirely for at least a week, uh, if the symptoms go away, then you can guess that you're allergic to it. But uh, there's no real uh, chemical test for the uh, allergic reaction. Uh -huh. And then an issue when you're sitting down and standing up, you got some kind of... Uh, yeah, uh, high estrogen uh, affects the nervous system so that your, your uh, sympathetic side is weak and the parasympathetic is overactive and... Uh, uh, that's why women get varicose veins so much more often than men, uh, because especially around pregnancy. High estrogen uh, weakens the wall of the, the vein. Uh, progesterone tones up the veins. And uh, uh, when the veins aren't returning the blood to the heart, when the blood falls into your legs, then your heart has to beat faster. Uh, and uh, so... Progesterone and thyroid are the things needed to tone up the veins and return the blood to the heart so that the heart has a, a good, strong beat. Hmm. Does Dr. Pete have any recommendations for rebuilding or healing the vagus nerve, encouraging the more the parasympathetic system and proprioception? Parasympathetic thing, that's when we can rest and sleep, and the vagus nerve... It gets, I guess, some kinds can get damaged, huh? Oh, well, my last few newsletters have been talking about the uh, the problems of stress. For example, learned helplessness, where in, uh, it's called uh, learned despair. Uh -huh. If an animal uh, is uh, restrained and doesn't have the experience of being able to escape, uh, they they might just. Uh, if they fall into a tank of water, uh, might let themselves drown in two or three minutes where uh, a normal rat with better experience would swim for days. I'll be done. And, and that's from too much of the parasympathetic activity. So I, I've been uh, working out some of the implications of what happens after middle age that are equivalent to the learned helplessness where the body has experienced so many problems uh, that it can't deal with that it starts shifting too strongly to the parasympathetic. And when we go to bed at night, normally we don't 
need to spend a lot of energy, so the parasympathetic lowers our blood sugar. But after middle age, it can lower the blood sugar so much that then the other side of the nervous system reacts with surges of adrenaline and cortisol. And um, that's where uh, the degenerative things come in. Uh, but they can be triggered by uh, compulsive overactivity of the parasympathetic and vagus. And um, in liver disease, for example, they found that they can uh, prevent inflammation and fibrosis of the liver just by cutting the vagus nerve so it doesn't reach the liver. Wow. Uh, so you don't want to um, overstimulate the parasympathetic. And uh, the um, uh, Gulf War syndrome, uh, a lot of it had to do with exposure to uh, organophosphate nerve gases, but uh, people are being exposed to similar chemicals uh, in insecticides or even in the air in the airliners, uh, which comes uh, from the uh, lubricants in the uh, air pressurizing system, uh, puts basically a little bit of nerve gas into the air. And uh, all of these exposures are creating an overactive vagus syndrome so that uh, many people in the general population have something like the uh, Gulf War syndrome. Just from the chemicals. Uh, and yeah. and um, the, 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 um, the drugs that the Army used uh, to treat nerve gas poisoning, uh, atropine was, was the main drug. Yeah. And uh, that can be used for an extreme case of uh, uh, some of these uh, stress-related learned helplessness uh, syndromes. Uh, next email for Dr. Pete. What is the underlying cause of severe allergies, running nose, sneezing that occur after the meal? Uh, a meal uh, is, is it low thyroid, high estrogen, or both? And how to correct this? It's usually something in the intestine, not necessarily what you ate in uh. this meal, but sometimes uh, what you ate yesterday or the day before will be farther down your intestine and eating starts the peristalsis and it moves an irritant uh, down to a sensitive place in the intestine and uh, runny nose and sneezing are uh, uh, the, the, the main most common symptoms but uh, that kind of stimulation in the intestine animal experiments and uh, even one doctor's experiments on his medical students showed that just pressure in the rectum or intestine can trigger um, migraine headaches, runny noses and coughing and sneezing, and even epileptic seizures uh, just from stimulating the intestine. But uh, disturbed blood sugar intensifies uh, the sensitivity of the intestine and makes those reactions worse. Is there such a thing as thyroid resistance, high reverse T3, T3, excuse me, that doesn't show up on blood tests? Uh, yeah, the, I think it's important to measure reverse T3. If you're going to measure the, the thyroid hormones at all, you, you can't interpret the T3 itself, which is the active hormone, unless you know how much reverse T3 there is because that can interfere with the active hormone. 
so you have to look at the um, the ratio of active to reverse T3. Uh-huh. Here's an emailer that said that after eating peanuts, um, his mouth cracked and inflammation, lesions, and uh, a lab said he had fungus candida. I'm on a homeopathic remedy currently using Benadryl, which may provide short-term relief, but inflammation returns. Uh, was he just allergic to peanuts, and that's as simple as that? Uh, that could be, but uh, when it lingers for a long time, uh, there could be uh, several things. Uh, a nutritional deficiency might have uh, uh, been uh, co-acting with, with the uh, allergy, uh, and uh, a lot of uh, B vitamin deficiencies can make sores around the mouth, and inflammation in the intestine can activate uh, viruses to break out inside the mouth or on the lips. Uh, uh, so uh, a food allergy is often responsible for a, a coated or, or cracked tongue or a lot of different mouth symptoms. Uh, the Benadryl lotions are antiseptic and uh, soothing. Uh, another ointment that you can get at a drugstore, uh, uh, benzocaine ointments and uh, similar local anesthetics. Benzocaine happens to be an antiseptic as well as anesthetic uh, and uh, will often clear up a, a little uh, skin uh, uh, problem, whether it's a a virus or, or germ or, or fungus, the, the benzocaine ointment can help. Lindsay says uh, she's on low thyroid. She has a low thyroid on 120 milligrams of nature thyroid, but still experiencing many symptoms. Um, she, I think, I'm not sure where she lives, 917. I think that looks like Southern California. Wondering if you could have ideas on where she could find some help. Uh, yeah, um, people... Uh, can email me through my the website has okay. my contact uh, but uh, if a, a particular brand of thyroid doesn't work uh, I think it's good to change brands armor thyroid is, is fairly reliable uh, there's a synthetic called uh, proloid s which is an old established brand that is available in many countries uh, Cino plus is made by uh, companies related to the ones that make Cytomel. And um, Ceno Plus is very similar to Naturethroid and Armor, but being uh, synthetic, it uh, lacks some of the uh, potential allergens that the natural thyroids might have. Uh, I see. So, so just trying different brands uh, and um, otherwise uh, changing the diet to to make sure there's uh, more of the metabolic uh, promoters such as calcium and uh, the uh, anti-inflammatory foods. Uh-huh. Um, only a few more here, then we're going to let you go, Doc. Uh, Meg writes, um, Dr. Pete's website has removed his bookstore for his newsletter and books. Are you going to get that back? Uh, yeah, when I get the books reprinted, I'm going to put the list back. Okay. So, um, but right now, can people cannot sign up for your newsletter or can they? Oh, oh yeah, they okay. can. Uh, On the website? Uh, yeah. Why? Okay. We've already done that one. Let's see. 
Hmm. What is the the ideal diet for type 2 diabetes? What food should I avoid? I'm taking 1,000 milligrams of L-tryptophan at night for sleep. Do you recommend I discontinue this amino acid? Um, uh, yeah, there are articles on my website about uh, uh, related to diabetes and uh, explaining how the unsaturated fats are an essential problem in causing diabetes and sugar is not a problem and has been used as a cure. So uh, getting the right diet and uh, uh, making sure the thyroid function is optimized, uh, those are the, the basic things. Uh, aspirin is... Uh, uh, well known to um, help to regulate blood sugar and lower inflammation problems associated with diabetes. Stella says, I keep getting acne. I don't know how to deal with it. I sweat and saunas and take chlorella, make green smoothies, but still have issues with acne. What can I do? Um, uh, Thyroid and vitamin A are the basic uh, things, but um, the, the the skin and the intestine are very closely connected so that uh, you want to uh, make sure you aren't eating any foods that uh, aren't well digested or that irritate your intestine Uh because that can contribute to uh, inflammatory and uh, uh, even uh, problems with with excretion of of, uh, fats and, and sweat and so they can be influenced by uh, irritation in the intestine. Lisa wants to know about using the far infrared sauna and niacin together if you have broken capillaries from rosacea. How do you say the R O S A C E A? Rosacea. Yeah, uh, rosacea. Uh, using niacin with a far infrared sauna. Well, uh, niacin sometimes refers to nicotinic acid. Uh, or even its uh, slow-release form. Uh, And nicotinic acid happens to uh, increase your uh, uh, histamine, serotonin, and prostaglandins, all of which are inflammatory. And uh, so I don't think it's good for anyone to take nicotinic acid uh, other than as occurs in food. And niacinamide is a form of, of that same vitamin, that is active in cells and doesn't release those inflammatory uh, problem materials. So niacinamide is safe? Yeah. Okay. That's a B3. Is that B3? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Brenda writes, could you please ask Dr. Pete to speak about natural ways to reverse high prolactin levels in women? I recently started taking uh, his Progest-E to raise my progesterone levels, hoping this may help to lower my prolactin. Sometimes it does, but thyroid is the basic thing. Uh, the uh, tryptophan and serotonin happen to turn on a, a, a trigger that increases prolactin and thyroid-stimulating uh, hormone. They tend to go together. And uh, if your thyroid uh, doesn't respond adequately to, to the rising uh, thyroid-stimulating hormone, it isn't able to lower the prolactin. Uh, th- th- they're tied closely together, and so a, a supplement of thyroid is sometimes needed 
but um, without that, uh, sometimes increasing the salt in your diet and using a vitamin B6 supplement, uh, those can sometimes uh, correct the prolactin. Okay. Uh, the B6 is involved in correcting the tryptophan serotonin metabolism, uh, so it doesn't cause the inflammation and hyperlactin. One more, and then Ray Pete gets to go on about his day. Thanks for being here. I appreciate all your time. Really been a long show, which has been great. Carl and Urbana, Urbana, it's an interesting one. He's in his 70s. He's observed lower thyroid, testosterone, muscle tone, increase in estrogen. So recently he was thinking that the Eskimos live in a very cold climate, and they said to be eating a diet of 70% fat. So he did that. He said, I no longer feel cold all the time, and my energy and sleep are much better. I've seen to be in an adrenaline state early in the evening and sometimes awake with higher temperature and a higher pulse rate. Then I cannot get back to sleep and progress into colder, lower pulse rate, thus a high cortisol state. Since my cortisol is the highest in the morning, would it not? Would it be best for me to avoid any foods that would stimulate insulin production in the morning could you explain what is going on here? Hmm. Um, it's normal. Um, the, the the whole uh, thing that we've been talking about the uh, the parasympathetic system uh-huh. increasing at night lowers your blood sugar, okay. and that increases adrenaline. And uh, finally, during the night, it uh, will increase your cortisol, so that almost everyone has their highest cortisol of the day. At dawn, okay, and, and that's because basically darkness is very stressful, and huh. uh, cortisol is protecting us against all of those inflammatory stress processes that develop during the night. Very interesting. And if you can keep the adrenaline and cortisol lower by what you eat at bedtime or even uh, snack on during the night, uh, and having some fluid in the night helps to uh, keep your blood thin and, and circulating uh, so that you are less likely to have a stroke from the high cortisol when you wake up. Uh, the, the high cortisol and uh, thickened blood are fairly dangerous in the morning, so it's good to start with uh, orange juice, for example, uh, to get some fluid and minerals into your blood. In the morning? And, yeah, and uh, to get the cortisol down well, what would you drink in the middle of the night? Just water? That's better than nothing, but uh, if you're having a, a sleep problem, then uh, uh, maybe um, juice or milk, sugared milk, and uh, even chicken soup, uh, something that Oh, really? Appetizes. Maybe chicken broth? Yeah, uh, huh. a, a good chicken consomme mm-hmm. with plenty of salt uh, will lower your adrenaline. It lowers your adrenaline, the salt does. Yeah, it's good for the adrenals. Yeah, there have been studies on uh, hmm. people with, uh, uh, old people with both hypertension and uh, insomnia mm-hmm. who are on a low-salt diet. And low-salt is very often uh, responsible for serious problems such as that. And again, foods then that lower adrenaline and cortisol at night would be? Oh, um, um, milk and... Um, Milk and honey or sugar, uh-huh. fruit, oranges, tropical fruits, uh, gelatinous things such as consomme. Uh-huh. 
Oh, a bone broth? They like the Western Price bone broth stuff, that kind of thing? Oh, well, you don't want to use uh, marrow bones because okay. of the uh, high iron content. Uh, so the, the joints uh, that have the uh, tendons and cartilage attached. Uh, oh, just, just kind of oh, leg bones and stuff like that. Or tailbone. Tailbones. Yeah. Yeah. But not the joints where they get all the... I thought the cartilage didn't, Doctor B. Doesn't that have a lot of good? Uh, you, you do want the cartilage and and the tendons. Yeah. You don't you don't want the hard bone with the marrow in it. Oh, you okay? You want the more joints. So you don't want the hard marrow yeah. bones. Yeah. So the tail is all joints, and so that's gotcha. Very good. So chicken feet and stuff like that are good, but not shin bones and that that you give the dog. Those um, big hard bones. They have yeah. too much iron in the marrow. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Well, Doc, this has been great fun. Thanks for uh, for being here. We, oh, okay. Yeah, it's been really nice. Thanks for spending so much time with us, and great way to start off the new year. So your newsletter is available on com, right, that people can sign up. And how often do you send that out? Every two months. Uh-huh. And do you, you, you do a lot of writing on your website. Do you have books as well? Uh, yeah, five books. Uh-huh. And you're going to get that back in the bookstore. Are they available on Amazon? Uh, no. No? No. I, I'll probably have them on Amazon when I get them reprinted. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a couple months. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Sir, thanks a lot. And, uh, okay. We, we appreciate, we dearly appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Dr. Ray Pete, well, that was quite fun. Man, a couple hours there, didn't we? Had a good time? Nice man. RayPete.com. Okay, baby, take that to the bank and see what you think. Please pass on these links to everyone that you care about. We just keep digging and digging, seeing if we can figure out how these old bodies work, right? How these old bodies work. How these young bodies work. Excuse me. Happy New Year. Sharon kept me late. She kept me up late like all... So five and just kidding. Adam Bergstrom will be here next Monday, and that's when I'll be back live with you Monday, the 6th of January. I love you all very much. Uh, 2014 is going to be a blast, baby. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.